You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for Analog Talk comes from Filmstock. Have you been scouring camera shops looking to find a certain film camera? Struggling to find a film stock of your favorite film? Filmstock checks the inventory of used film cameras and film stocks at trusted shops nationwide. When it finds a camera that matches what you're looking for, you get notified immediately. Filmstock even helps you find the best price on your favorite film stocks, like Porsche 400 or Cine Steel 800T. It's free to get started. Sign up for Filmstock today at filmstock.app. F-I-L-M-S-T-O-C-K dot app. And for a limited time, they're offering Analog Talk listeners a 25% discount on Filmstock Plus. Use the code Analog Talk. Finally find that elusive film camera with Filmstock. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And on today's show, this is so cool. I'm excited. <laughs> we have Ethan Moses. Hey, buddy. Hello. Hi, Ethan. Hi, thanks for having me on. <laughs> of course, the man behind yeah. Camera Dactyl. We're stoked. For those of our listeners who may not know who you are, though, could, do you mind giving them a background on who you are and how you got into photography? Okay. How I got into photography is a long one. <laughs> but, yes. but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I was real interested in being a photographer. Like w- when I was a little kid, okay, even further back, I thought I was like uh, some sort of, you know, Bear Grylls mountain man, but I grew up in the Bronx yes. and I had an overprotective <laughs> mother and there was nowhere to go camping, right? Everything was concrete. But uh, I think my friend Nikki and I would like load up our backpacks and go like march around the Bronx as if we were, you know, mountain men. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's so good. So I was real into that. And then when I was a freshman in high school my family was going to go to the grand canyon and i thought okay like this is i will only be out there once in my life and so i spent my mm-hmm. life savings on a nikon from bnh and uh then i Ooh. promptly broke my ankle like two weeks later oh yeah oh, no. and so uh we like canceled our you know trip to the grand canyon maybe i'll never get oh, out there oh, no. uh, but i learned to develop some film in high school and my mom felt real bad for me and bought me an enlarger <laughs> and so i spent that summer uh, in a cast sitting in, like a puddle of chemistry on the bathroom floor with a towel over the window and the door and uh yes. i had my enlarger <laughs> on the toilet and trays in the bathtub and that's that's oh kind God, of uh that was, that was my gimpy summer and i've I've been kind of hooked <laughs> ever since. I guess that doesn't really bring us to now, though. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have that story. I guess yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, found myself building industrial mechatronics for um, like food packaging or like, like beer canning or fermenting equipment. Uh. And I was 
uh, waiting on some chips for a project I was working on and had to buy a 3D printer for a different purpose. Uh, it was staring me in the face. And somewhere in the middle of the yada yadas, uh, I, <laughs> I had spent about a decade driving around the country buying and selling photo gear. Oh, and so wow. having some downtime in a 3D printer and having a lot of knowledge of, you know, old cameras and what what cameras I thought were sort of interesting and popular. I 3D printed a 4x5 field camera. It was a number of years ago, kind of an, on a lark, like for myself to see if it was possible. And uh, yeah, it was, it was like a, you know, not the best camera in the world, but it was a perfectly functional camera. And I surprised myself and I thought like, it would be nice if a bunch of other people had these. And so I ran this Kickstarter. I think my goal was to sell like 10 of them, you know, just, just a couple. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it sold, I don't, I don't remember how many, like 40 or something, um, which wow. is, you know, not a huge amount of cameras. It wasn't like, and then I was launched into the camera business, but <laughs> it was enough that I had to buy 10 3D printers to be able to fill all of the Kickstarter orders yeah. in a couple of months. Right. And I finished and then I had all of these idle printers sitting around and uh, I had gained the meteoric um, Instagram success of, you know, 400 followers at the time. And and yeah. so just like through DMs, people would ask me for things. And sometimes I would say like, OK, <laughs> I can make that. Or, yeah. Um, and and so I started making like camera grips and film cases and little like doodads to keep the, the printers running. And then I kind of get into some more interesting stuff. Um, I made a bunch of handheld four by five and medium format cameras. And then um, I made a camera that was way too uh, time intensive to assemble and sell. So then I sold that thing on Kickstarter where like people could give me anything they wanted. And so long <laughs> as I made $12,000, I would release all of the files and the, the build videos to the world. And I didn't care if you gave me one person gave me $12,000 or 12,000 people gave me a dollar. Right. Didn't really matter. And that worked out. So then, you know, I started having people building my cameras all over the world, which was crazy. That's the Bronco That's pan. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, wow. If you're listening and have a 3D printer, check it out. Uh, what is it? Oh, github.com slash camera dactyl. It's the Bronco pan. Anyway, uh, I did that. I got uh, some more cameras on the way. I'm always kind of tinkering and it's just kind of taken over my life. Um, I made a bunch of <laughs> scanning uh, projects and, and big old cameras. It's uh, it's really great. It's, it's taken over the vast majority of what I do for work, which um, is fun. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember the first time... I remember all the Kickstarters and all that stuff. I remember it going around and and I think it was Matt Marsh, the from the film. Yeah, Matt Marash. Yeah, Matt Marash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fine. names. And um but he it was when we were at the Padilla. He mm -hmm. had your it was the three D printed four by five, just the little mm -hmm. guy, the little it was like a rangefinder mm -hmm. or something. And I just remember being like, Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's what the world needs right now. Like, cool. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um do, do you know the story of of how Matt Marash came to have that camera? No. Yeah. I mean I might have heard it on their podcast but it's been years I probably not on their podcast but like in uh what was it 2018 or 2019 when i released that first camera and like i i accidentally made it in sort of crazy tropical colors just using the amazon deal of the week color but i've leaned into it it's pretty uh -huh. fun um and 
somebody on the film photography podcast asked Matt what he wanted for Christmas, and he wanted like no more uh, funky colored plastic cameras with tropical <laughs> fellows <laughs> for Christmas. And I was like, hey, man, you, you've never used my camera. I'm a fan of this show. So I sent him a letter, uh, him and Mike Rosso. And I, I like, uh, I tried to be like maybe a late 1800s man slapping someone in the face with a glove and like challenging them uh, to a duel. And basically, you know, I said, hey, you, you haven't used this camera. Uh, I'm going to send you one. And if you hate it, then continue to trash me on the podcast. And if yeah. you love it, yeah. then have me on and, and shower me with accolades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great we've all been friends ever since cool that's a yeah, good story yeah uh so that was the camera i had sent him which he then uh very graciously took to the paideia and i've been jealous about not going to that ever since and they have not yet mm. run another one but i'm hoping there will be i know they it needs to happen i mean we're hungry like the wolf <laughs> right now for the for the film photography Padilla. That's funny that you said that about the tropical colors because I remember it wasn't it like green and pink or something. I I remember there being some sort of crazy colors. Yeah, I mean, eventually I I let people pick whatever colors they wanted in like fourteen mm. groups of seventy something parts, and so sometimes people chose well, sometimes people did not choose well. I offer things in more limited uh, color schemes these days, or at least, you know, if I do a Smart. custom job, I don't necessarily put it on Instagram, but um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Um, well, I just want to say, you know, thank you for, we talk about this kind of all the time, you know, all, things are like going away or harder to get or more expensive and, and just like, you know, being innovative in this space is like huge for the community. So just, Thank you for oh, that. Thanks. In the community has been yeah. huge for me. You know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a real market there. Like the most expensive thing in the world is time. And the, the community has mm -hmm. like yeah. basically bought all my time back and allowed me to sit here with the printers and the lasers and the computers and just kind of doodle cameras all day long. That's so wild. Like what a, what an awesome job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Well, you I'm could so do jealous. it too. I just don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the brains for that 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 math that you need. No, it's to, all available on YouTube. I, oh, okay. All right. Well, you I just mean... need time and obsession. But yeah, uh, gotcha. But like gotcha. none of the skills that I have are, um, you know, particularly genius skills. Most of them are things like technical skills that I have learned on YouTube in the last few years. Isn't that so crazy? Like how we've gone from you had to go to like university and stuff like that. Now it's like take some time and go on YouTube and talk to your buddies and exchange notes. And yep. next thing you know. You're running a camera yeah. company. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. Wild. So, Ethan, are you doing any photography out outside of this? Um, you know, like what do you? What's your personal work? Yeah. Look like? So, somewhere in the uh, 15, 20 years of yada yada, in the beginning, I drop yeah. out of college, try and become a photographer, spend like the worst year of my life living on my mom's couch. I made seven thousand dollars all year. I didn't take a single photo I uh. liked. You know, it would be, it'd be like if I wanted to be a writer and somebody was like, yeah, kid, you can hold this pencil all day, but you must write, you know, what, what, it was, uh -huh. um, I was yeah. just bad at it too. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> I went back to school to try and have a different professional job so that I could afford film and, and, you know, kind of in the intervening years of the beginning of my career that had little to do with photography i started taking pictures again for me i like to take a lot of you know kind of candid portraits and just like a 
journal or a notebook of my life type of stuff. Like this is mm. my art, but I, you know, I yeah. don't necessarily yeah. think that I would ever display most of it, but I, I, I shoot a lot of that. And then um, over the years, I've shot a lot of sort of large format paper negatives as a kind of semi-instant social way to shoot some more formal portraits, um, which uh, recently has made me a medium professional photographer again, schlepping a giant camera yeah. around the country, <laughs> Yeah, which, um, yeah. you know, I, I never think like, this is my art uh, about that particular thing. Although like some of my very favorite artists worked in, in those formats, I just, you know, have never yeah. really had an opportunity to work in that you know, like in a giant format in color and positive instant stuff yeah. before. And so, you know, just like I, I'm trying to explore a little bit of what, what uh, this is my art with a weird giant camera might be like. Yeah. Can you can you take us through through that process conception of like, I'm going to build a, a 20 by 24 and this is what it's going to do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I was trying to tell this story the other day. Um, I generally am limited by, you know, like I, I can do a quick project on a Saturday or Sunday for myself, but most of what I do and what I really yeah. love to do is, you know, take uh, five months writing scanner software, you know, and, and um, <laughs> for stuff like that, I got to be pretty confident that there's a market for it before I spend yeah. half a year uh, on a project. And so I have, I have been given like great uh, wonderful freedom by by the film community and marketplace to do a lot of the things that I want to do. But, uh, you know, by the time I take a day or two to sketch something, I need to stop and ask myself the real hard question, like, is there anybody who wants this thing? Mm, and, um, yeah, yeah. you know, 20 by 24 camera is not one of those things that I I thought initially this is something people want. Like, I, I don't think I, I sell by mail, you know, I'm my camera is huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, right, right. I, I don't think very many people like in their New York apartment have room for a six and a half, seven foot long camera. Or, you know, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a good product. But on Tuesdays, I like to um, give myself the time to work on projects that don't necessarily go anywhere. Um, often I hang out with my friend, Joe and like the other day, uh, Joe and I built this spring loaded 30 pencil holder that slides across a piece of paper to make lines. Like it's never going to be a project <laughs> product. It was just like a fun one day thing to make on my laser cutter to line some paper. And it's a goofy, stupid tool, but the point is on Tuesdays, I, I work on some things that don't have to go anywhere and have to be a product. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Keeps some time for me to do the thing that I love to do just for me instead of uh, always for work. Although, you know, again, I'm limited in the number of six month projects that I can do. <laughs> so Joe and I had been working on this reversal process and we got pretty good at it in black and white and color. And Joe had built some Afghan box cameras. And I always was interested in Afghan box cameras and the 20 by 24 Polaroid. And there's no more media made for it. And we're sitting around sort of talking about building Afghan box cameras for these direct positive processes. And, mm. you know, sort of naturally was like, okay, we probably will build a four by five. That seems like, you know, I did actually build a four by five, which I will release this year. And it, it seems like a reasonable product. Oh, like sweet. maybe not everybody needs, yeah. needs like a suitcase that they carry around, stick their arm in to develop a photo, but like, some enough people worldwide that it's worth making 20, 30 of them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but the 20 by 24, while we discussed it, didn't really have 
it didn't it didn't have market teeth in the same way but you know we right. we were said a lot of what we do on tuesday is sometimes just draw right and one of the ideas we thought of and like drew out was taking the the at 20 by 24 the 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 camera becomes preposterously large if uh like an afghan mm-hmm. box camera you have trays for 20 by 24 paper in there and like room enough to open this thing and pull out a two foot long sheet of paper you know and the box is now yeah. four feet long but you know it becomes hundreds of pounds of chemistry and so uh just theoretically in in pencil and paper what if you took the back off the camera and then you poured the chemistry into the back rather than having all of the chemistry in the back at once and having a camera be seven feet tall and 500 pounds, you know, like this is, uh, yeah. And so he came up with the idea of a self-developing back, which is basically just a regular large format film back that is also a developing tray with a light baffle. So you can pour chemistry in, but light can't get in okay. uh, just like your, you know, uh, daylight developing tank. And so that sort of solved the problem at 20 by 24, but also became an interesting product for eight by 10 and four by five, you know, sort of standard, maybe even five by seven. And so at that point I had a product that I could spend a lot of time on and, you know, I could at that point, like kind of make it a a marketing uh, justification to spend another four or five months building a giant camera and a giant version of one to Mm. tour around with. If you think about those cameras in general before the Polaroids, there wasn't a lot of them because they're so gigantic. And it's it was really like that was a thing that certain people did. You know, like if you think about Elsa uh, Dorfman, you know, like that was her thing. And not everybody's going to be like, I'm going to I want a 20 by 24 and I'm going to you can't do anything. You have to you're stuck there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it stays in your studio or you can maybe rent it out to people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of that. El- Elsa Dorfman, by the way, is like one of my favorite photographers of all time. Um, right. I saw uh, it. Oh. on photo.net, Philip Greenspun, the guy who ran it, his profile picture for years was a photo by Elsa Dorfman. And I was like 16 wow, when I saw cool. it. And I was like, what is this? I didn't know about yeah. giant Polaroids. And, and so, yeah, I think there were seven made by the Polaroid Corp. And then maybe a couple more made by Ron Wisner. And there's only a handful of them out there and you know, very little stuff. But yeah, either, you know, I don't I don't think now that I've built this one camera, I'm going to stop building cameras and and open like an Albuquerque portrait studio. But it's, <laughs> it seems it seems like a silly thing to do and not, you know, my favorite, but it's more fun for me to get to use it like all in one go, partially because it's just so expensive to yeah. move the damn thing. And and right. two, because then I can sort of compartmentalize and just do one month of just this all day long, every day and then, you know, go back home and <laughs> sell some camera parts. Just seeing that video you, you did with Ben. Yeah. I remember when that big fan of Ben mm-hmm. loved everything Ben does. <laughs> and then I got I got I got the little notification that he put a new video up and I'm just doing my day and 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 I yeah. I just could not <laughs> yeah. I, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't turn away from watching <laughs> it. Just like I mean, I feel like the diehard photography people uh-huh. are always just like my dream is to always ha- has been to shoot a portrait that size. You know right. what I mean? To to go use the <laughs> Polaroid, the big twenty by twenty four Polaroid, and and have like a real use to use it. And it's like I 
I'm just an average Joe. I'll never shoot that camera. But just seeing you guys do that and then the process is so crazy too. Is that now that process that you were doing, is that something that's been around or is that something that you kind of crafted for this? No, that, uh, I'm I'm not a chemist. I don't even play one on YouTube. Okay, uh, but okay. Th- th- that's, that's a process <laughs> that has been known about for 50. As, as long as there's been color prints, there have been color reversal prints of one sort of an or another there was often better ways to do it like uh cebachrome and ilfachrome um but those don't exist anymore either and there was of course the 20 by 24 polaroid which is you know amazing but that doesn't exist and so i i really dig the way that these prints they look like uh ra4 color prints like you know wet wet prints in a color dark room from a color negative but Mm -hmm. um it has not been as popular and it's also kind of difficult for a number of you know technical reasons but not all that difficult and i think we'll see a lot more of it now that you know there's some internet tutorials and uh kind mm. of growing interest in it dude i i so wish i would have been there for that like just yeah, watching to the next that, one yeah yeah, yeah for for sure it's um, in la maybe right well i don't want to spoil anything yeah, I, I hope we'll see <laughs> i hope yeah. our fingers are crossed but just seeing the process is so crazy because don't you do like a black and white development and then it's some color stuff and it just seems for all the nerds that are listening right now, do you want to kind of give a little touchdown on the the chemistry a little bit? Yeah, on I mean, how the, that works? the idea is like um, when you make a negative print, like like a darkroom print of a negative, you expose some silvers or, or photosensitive salts to light, and then you develop, and only the ones hit by light develop, and then you fix and you remove everything else. Well, mm-hmm. in this process, you, again, you shoot a paper negative, you develop it as a negative, and then you stop that process. And then you, what you're left with is um, the developed silver salts or, or photographic salts that make up like the black in the image and then everything else. But you don't fix that away. You actually re-expose that to light and the negative of a negative winds up being a positive. And then in the end, you bleach out the negative. So in in one step, you sort of have a very uh, suppressed tone, like like flat tone, Okay. a negative mask and color positive at the same time. You bleach it out and then you just have a color positive left. That's, that's sort of that's so crazy. quick and and uh, technical as I think I can make it. No, I think you did great there. And <laughs> I will, for the show notes, include a link to that video because yeah. it's it's so much fun. Cool, like you guys are having the time of your <laughs> yeah. life. I mean, unless it was all acting, no, but I'm you guys so excited. Like you were just living it. <laughs> I think. I mean, think about us photography people. Like if we were there, we would be going, that's just you know the excitement for for this kind of thing." For us is like that's genuine yeah yeah i think yeah. i mean there's something about it where you watch the color positive come up from the black and white negative and it like yep. one is a magic trick to anybody right e- even those mm-hmm. of us that kind of understand what's going on and, right. and two is like it's a magic trick that mirrors that magic trick of like the first time you watch a black and white print come up in the developer under a safe light like it's it's a magic trick that everybody knows and loves if they're into photography and also mm-hmm. like in a new way that they've never seen before and so that, like i think that's the sweet spot for the instagram reels <laughs> is yeah, the color yeah, developer yeah. step plus plus it it's, really is it's also huge you know yes. so <laughs> It's like, what? 
that's one of my favorite parts is like on your Instagram. Again, I'll link his Instagram yeah. below. You got to you got to look at the at the portraits cuz they're holding a picture that is the same size as them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it might even look some of them some look of a, them little are a little bigger. bit bigger, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a little challenging, but it's like a Just like a, a bobblehead. Wild concept. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. My, my favorite one might be of Kyle DePew's head. I think that oh, was my Kyle. favorite shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Thank you. Definitely. So do you mind sharing the plans for the next big adventure? I know we, we've launched sure. the Kickstarter. Oh, I thought we were talking about this Instax camera. <laughs> oh, we could talk about that too. <laughs> well, no, um, we, we can talk about that later. But yeah, no, I am, uh, am trying to go to LA. I don't know. You know, I, I'm, well, I'm hopeful. We'll see. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, I was able to go to New York for a number of reasons. A, a lot of that had to do with Kyle DePue making it possible and giving me an amazing deal on a studio. Yeah. We also learned about like how much help one actually needs to run a camera like this for a month and yada, yada. Anyway, um, very expensive to rent a studio in LA for a month. Right. But I'm running a Kickstarter to sell, you know, portrait sessions, workshop sessions, camera rentals, and then just some open studio days to like meet some people. And those are pretty cheap tickets just to see if it is worthwhile to go to LA. Uh, so I don't have to lose like, you know, 20 grand up front <laughs> on the studio. And yeah. maybe I will do that. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. If not, you know, I, I will save the 20 by 24 for a rainy day and release um this instax camera i've been working on yeah that's that's what i've been doing man i i hope that i hope it happens i hope you get to because what what a Thank crazy you. i mean i dream of you know chris and i i think we talk about it a lot on the show of like we're kind of still just like well i'm just gonna say me i don't want to loop mm-hmm. you in this chris i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just sitting here and i'm like one day something crazy good is going to happen by me sitting here doing nothing. You know what I mean? Like that's what I, I have this like feeling of like some magic's going to happen, but you're like putting it out there, man. You're doing yeah. like you, Trying. what a crazy concept. Like what that's two 20 by 24 crazy prints and did, you know, travel to New York and, <laughs> and go to LA. And I mean, that is, there's gotta be some celebrity photographers out here. You can like dangle this in front of and be yeah. like, look Maybe. what you can do. Yeah, there it has to be. You know, I think, I mean, there's definitely a market to rent the camera to commercial photographers yeah, uh, or even editorial photographers. The thing is, I'm a no-name photographer, right? I'm, I'm a humble backyard camera maker out in the desert. Uh, but the budget that's required to run such a thing, like it, it first starts off with Ethan driving a van filled you know, with grip equipment across the country and like a day or two Mm. to set up and a guy to help move strobe packs. And, you know, like, and it's also going to end like that with the same sort of expense. And so it it becomes like small movie budget to rent the camera for a weekend uh, or a week, whatever. And so it's, it's a very kind of like small bullseye to hit, right? I got, I got to find somebody who there's a very small group of photographers that does not necessarily include me and most likely does not include me that, you know, uh, can work on a hundred thousand dollar production. Right. And, and then like, 
of those, let's say, 10 people in the world, right? Like how many of them actually want to rent Ethan and, <laughs> and the traveling roadshow? <laughs> I hope there's one, right? I would love yeah, to yeah. Uh, bring this anywhere, you know, that, that somebody can rent it and, and me and the, the truck. But um, yeah, we, we will if see. You're, if you're listening, guys, if, if, yeah, if that one my, person's I'm, listening. I'm literally like <laughs> racking my brain of like, who could... Who could I like put this bug in the their I, ear? I that... think the move for me is like if I get to LA on this trip or when I get there, the next reason I you know have business to be there is to sort of have some meetings with high end photo agencies, not like to necessarily sell myself, but hey, I can rent you this camera and make sure that it runs if you have, you know, a celebrity photographer who you know, has, has reason to use such a thing. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, right. And then, you know, I might have a pool of people who are in that range of production budget that, that it would make sense for me to drive to uh, New Hampshire for two weeks with all of that stuff. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, expected to like kind of go to New York, come back here and start selling camera parts. And, and I really liked that idea, but, um, it was really fun shooting photos too. And I'm just kind of trying to see where that goes. Maybe it'll go nowhere or maybe I'll do it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Gotta, gotta kind of be yeah, open. Yeah. I, I think like, even if, even if it's something you do once every couple of years, you know, just for the community to like, if you do it in big cities, be like, I'm coming to Austin or I'm coming to Portland or I'm coming, you know, like if the community can rally together just to, just to keep this kind of thing alive, I think that would be yeah the best. Yeah. I mean, the, the other option is that, uh, I convince somebody to hold the idea in Albuquerque next year. <laughs> yes. Much easier. Yes. Yeah, totally. Man. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah. cool. Thank so you. different. I just, I love the, that that's why like large format and instant and there's just such like a there's something different about it than your normal like 35 120 life you know what i mean mm -hmm. like there's something about even a four by five camera feels you feel unique or different mm -hmm. or something about using it there's just something special about that and the fact that you you know you just went and you went crazy with it you're like i'm going 20 by 24 i'm doing this crazy camera we're doing the you know it's just i don't know i can't i can't applaud you enough Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Cool. I think, I mean, a lot of it is just like, this is what you do all day, right? Things, you know, <laughs> you kind of yeah, yeah. sit in your garage trying to one up yourself with a giant laser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Things get weird. Well, that's what, so are you just by yourself with this, with the camera building and stuff? Or do you, do you know, does anybody ever reach out to you and they're like, let's do a line of this with, you know, so-and-so brand or something like that. Um, do you ever get any of that or? Not a ton. I do a little bit of uh, different things. Like I do wholesale um, to camera stores sometimes like um, Brooklyn Film Camera. Kyle, who got yeah. me into a lot of this business, you know, I knew him for years because I make the uh, Polaroid scan trays for flatbeds that only he sells. But I make those in like huge batches. And he sells out in like five seconds. They're yeah. gone every yeah. time. He's like, oh, we got another batch coming yeah. in. Gone. Uh, I think they're they're on the website right now. Get one or two for fast scanning. Sweet. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, those are those are popular and, and like something that I don't know that 
would make the most sense for like me to sell individually ones and twos of but yeah, yeah. making a couple hundred at a time allows me to like get some help and set up the shop for a whole week and you know make these things um yeah i guess for the most part it's it's just me though <laughs> me and my little old website <laughs> that's great though yeah that's I love great it. that's yeah it's inspiring for sure to, oh, yes. you know, think, like I said, keeping the community going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I, it feels to me like the community is, is getting much, much bigger. Oh yeah. In, in a way that I, I, I think it might just be kids discovering photography for the first time and a generation of people not necessarily putting their film cameras down for digital. Like everybody our age who has a film camera is not like necessarily going to get the new digital rebel next week <laughs> right mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely so talk to us about that instax yeah i was oh, just yeah. gonna say we can't we can't let that <laughs> yeah go yeah by. okay okay this is the first time i'm actually mentioning this thing publicly oh, cool. although i think i might have showed up in a joe van cleve with a uh, video on youtube but uh so when i was in new york a lot of people were using this lomograph lock back yeah. And the backstory yeah. is like sometimes people request things on my website, like, hey, could you make this? This is something that I get requested over the last years and years. Would you make this, the Lomograph yeah. Lock? And every couple of weeks I get one of those requests. And every time I see it, <laughs> I think like it's going to cost a lot of money if I make it by yeah. hand, like, you know, on 3D printers or, you know, I'm going to go in $200,000 to make the tooling, if not a half a million to make it like Wilmo wow. wound up, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I'm not going to build a product right now for 200 grand just just to see, right? I don't, I don't right. know the market that well, but you know, I knew it was possible. And so, anyway, for years and years, people have been requesting this damn thing, and I have to say politely, <laughs> yes, you're right. It would be great to have like a modular back for any sort of Instax film, but it, it's just not something I can do in a in a cost effective manner. And so, or the Lomograph lock came out. I don't know, a couple of months ago, people have been getting theirs and everybody in New York was using them. And I used one a couple of times and said like, oh, this is a perfect thing. And it's like $149. Like, yeah, it's great. Like I couldn't print the parts to this thing for $149, you know, and and it's it's so nice. And so I thought like, okay, everybody's going to pick this damn thing up. There is, I mean, uh, Chris, you made a video with it. Actually, both made videos with it. Yeah, I, I yeah, saw these yeah, a while yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah um, so you will know that it has this clunky, you know, and again, this is not me like ragging on this product. I love the Lomograph lock back, but it's very clunky and awkward to use uh, with that stupid shim or very clever shim, depending upon how you look at it to push yeah. the focusing <laughs> screen back. In fact, my, um, self-developing backs work exactly the same way with that shim to push back the registration. Oh, Oh, interesting. Cool. But, you know, not only is there that shim, it's like a six by 10 image on a four by five that's shifted to one side and down or up, depending upon how you have it oriented. And so you're always like, on large format, either taking a tilt shift or, or a shift uh, rise image or trying to compensate. And so it just becomes extremely awkward to use this thing. So the first thing I did when I came home, like I was thinking about this on the, the five-day car ride back from New York is like, okay, at the very least, guys, let's get rid of that shim and just make this thing I'm holding up, which is a focusing screen that has the shim integrated into it as a 3D printed oh, part cool. and the screen, right? So like, 
when you're shooting with this thing, you just take your screen off and put the screen on. And the screen has, you know, the same four by five graph lock mount. So it'll mount right okay. where your screen is. You don't have to mess with the springs and the shim and all of that. And for cameras that don't have the uh, graph lock system, it has these two holes through it. I don't know if you guys can see it on uh, Zoom, but certainly the audience can't see it. Anyway, it has holes through it for <laughs> elastic bands to be connected to something like a Chamonix. And so, like, this was a okay. no-brainer wow. uh, product. I, I think um, I'm going to release these within the month. We'll see if I sell them or somebody else sells them. Generally, when I wholesale to somebody, I won't then compete against them but right you know yeah so there was that and then like the next thing was like <clears throat> okay a lot of people are shooting four by five cameras with this lomo graph lock but it's really only like a six by ten and it's so i don't i you know i i, I shouldn't be the guy uh, that takes two people to run his camera and one to develop uh, to say that it is like awkward to shoot four by five but it, you know <laughs> it, it is for for certain things right it's slow and, sure. and sort of I, I love that process, but I also love being able to point a camera at something and push a button. <laughs> and right. so yes. same, um, same. Yeah. So you know, di different, uh, different tools for different things, but I have this Mamiya press mount already in a bunch of other cameras that I use in these Mamiya press and Polaroid 600 SE lenses uh, will oh. cover and they're amazingly beautiful and sharp. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's like a removable mount, like a, a Wild. breech lock, you know, so you can swap lenses on the fly and it has uh, these cold shoes up top so you can swap uh, different finders, either the optical Whoa. finders that came with Mamiya and Polaroids, like the Goose or... Um, the Goose. The Goose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? and, and so, like, functionally, this is a Goose, right? Because you can put Goose lenses on it. And, well, I mean, it's not functionally the same, right? But, like, you can't get peel apart, really, for the Goose anymore. Right. And so you can have Instax yeah. with the same lenses and, like, kind of a similarly awkward you know, kind of off to the side, weirdo body, but at least, you know, the lens is now centered on the film gate for oh, this, wow. yeah. for this back. And so anyway, the back just clips on like that. And now I have like this handheld dude insect so camera. Cool. Can I, do you, I was going to say, do you have any, do I have any photos to show you? Yeah. Yeah. So I brought out the stack because I was so excited to talk to you guys, but I, I know this is a podcast. Nobody's going to yeah, see, we'll, but we'll post these for sure guys. Yeah. So don't, some scan. So oh, what I've wow. discovered is that Instax film is kind of has no business having the sort of sharpness and resolution that it does. Like you don't expect uh -huh. this from shooting Instax on uh, Instax cameras, which are fun for what they are, but they're it's not like shooting with a Mamiya lens. And so like, right. I don't know, you kind of get these amazing results. I'm showing mostly portraits of Joe Van Cleve in my backyard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, uh, That's a good one of you right there. Yeah. I love that. I'm Damn. Anyway, so um, man, the potential of that film. Yeah. So well, I got a week into using this Instax back, and I thought this is great. But like one of the interesting things about the original Mamiya Universal Press and the Goose uh, is that you could take these backs off, right? They were real mm -hmm. system cameras, and put on something like you know this, which now you're looking at. Uh, I replaced the Instax back with a new plate that has. Another set of um, mounts. Uh, this is a Mamiya 
2-3 or Graflex Universal 2-3 mount. Okay. So yeah. um, you can then take this little 6x9 focusing screen off and mount like an RB67 back ah. to it. And so walking around with this, <laughs> um, I now can shoot film like regular 120 or 220 roll film on the camera, which is super nice. And like, you can start to use it in the same way. And, oh, and it's also shifted in the same spot as the Lomo graph lock, right? So everything is straight, just like the handle is off to the side in a weird way. And yeah, it's, it's been like pretty nice to have a system like that where I can shoot like really uh, affordable tests, like actually use an Instax as a proofer for um, yeah. shooting 220 Portra. Or 120 portrait, whatever I have. That's like the man. I don't. I don't even know what to say. Like I want. I want that right now. (laughs) I want to because when testing the the Graflock instant, that was so much fun. And just like you said about the film, yeah, Mm -hmm. you don't really realize how good that film is until you can get it in a situation where you're, you know, you can focus. Like what a what a huge thing (laughs) that does for that film. Yeah, Yeah. But, oh, man, that's so good. Like, I, I was literally talking about this, like, a couple days ago, just saying, like, it's a shame people aren't making new for all this stuff. You know, just making new things that we can, like, just thank you again. I know I said it probably 13. Yeah, Ethan <laughs> is. Ethan is. He's the one. <laughs> hey, you, know, you know, I will I will take that compliment, and it's very gracious of you. But also, like, let's be clear. The the real innovation here is the Lomo Graph Lock Pack. Oh, like, yes, Lomo knocked it out of the park with this. And, like, I am really... There's a ton of, like, good old used stuff for a lot of things, not really in stacks yeah. on eBay, right? But, like, I, I won't design, and, and many of, you know, the designers I know who are, you know, in the field, we won't design based on vintage parts because then, you know, we have a design that we put X amount of days and hours and months into that you know has a dwindling yeah. possible uh yeah. you know production scale but like almost making these new they're yeah. really nice i mean i i use mamiya universal press lenses they're not making any more of those but there's bazillions of them you just totally woke yeah. me up on something though that because i i was one of those people for years that was like why doesn't somebody just make it like an instax back when you said that it was like all the mm-hmm. r&d and the money involved in that like i had no oh, yeah. idea that it would be that much to to design something like that like that's just right i mean so it's not even the the time right so their time is expensive and like many people sitting down to figure something out is expensive but then um 3d printing is a slow way to make things so my per part cost is huge like over a hundred times of your standard injection molded plastic part right uh, okay. but yeah an injection molded part the lomograph lock body at least you know is pennies to produce but each mold you could easily hit a hundred thousand dollars worth of work to make each component of this like okay the battery door i bet they knew how to make that battery door and didn't have to cut too many molds maybe that was a three to seven thousand dollar job right just the battery door to make the tool to make it for 50 cents a piece and like the rest of these you know you're you're cutting steel every time for the most part and so yeah i mean it just is it is an expensive and fun process right. if, if you can do it for, you know, a, a larger company. But um, there's not too many mm. complicated things. I think I will injection mold for cameras. Yeah, that just like makes things so much clearer now why people aren't 
you know, why these big companies, because everyone's like, well, you know, Nikon still got the molds for those FM3s or something. You know what I mean? Like, right, like, I mean, it's, it is amazing that a Leica can be produced for under $10,000, right? Or, or that a Nikon be, yeah. can be produced insanely cheaply for what it is. But like, yeah. you know, how many millions of dollars worth of equipment right. and, and just even like heating and cooling for the warehouse space that it, or the factory space uh-huh. that it takes to wow. house the yeah. line to build a Nikon app. And then the people who have to work in the shop, you know, uh-huh. totally. it's a lot, lot. Wild. Do you ever think of like expanding into something else like that? Like into uh, like injection moldings or anything like that? Is that something you plan to do in the future or is it just like kind yeah. of way out of your... You know, and I don't know, uh, you might wind up cutting this or finding it interesting. You know, now we're sort of getting off into the, the podcast of Ethan's Ethan's thoughts on business. Uh, but um, <laughs> traditionally, I've made a lot of things like I've held no inventory other than a lot of plastic, uh, wood, acrylic, and then files. And I've made a lot of things as they come in. But some things like uh, the Mongoose film scanner had to be made in batches. And even still, it was like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it was not mm-hmm. super profitable for me by the end of it. And when I have things like that in batches, I'm able to make like a whole lot more at a reasonable cost. And so one of the things I've been thinking about is going more to a model where like, okay, in December, I make a hundred of this camera, right? And then they'll just Mm -hmm. sell out until next December. And then in January, I'll make this camera. And so I think as I shift to more batch-based stuff, uh, having help becomes more um, profitable, right? So right now, if I have help and I'm doing 30 things in a day, all of those things are going to be new things. And all of those things, like if, if I have that help on that day, become you know, sunk teaching time and instead of just production. Uh, right. And so like help actually costs yeah. me time and money for a while. But yeah. if I have something where I'm going to make a hundred of these, I can take 15 minutes in the morning, show somebody one task and then just sort of set them loose. Uh, but that really requires that I have, you know, 12 full month long production projects or, or 26 half month long or whatever. And so as the library grows and the interest grows, you know, I'm I'm kind of at the point now. Like you guys saw my shop, I'm uh, I could use some space badly, but in order <laughs> uh, to make some space work, right, then I need people in that space to work, and mm-hmm. I need to yeah. sort of batch some of the things in my business. But I'm I'm working on doing that, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see cool. where it goes. Yeah, yeah. So excited to see where it goes. Gonna run myself right into bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's that's you know. Life isn't worth uh, living if you're not living. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. I just made that up. But anyway, yeah. If you ever need help, me and my two cats will move into your warehouse oh, yeah. and, and help you trim, trim some plastic. Cool. There's a lot of plastic trimming. No, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Well, dude, we're so stoked on, on what you're doing. Totally. Thank yeah. you. So cool. We'll be right back with listener question for Ethan right after this message from our sponsor. Just wanted to hop in quick and let you guys know about our Patreon-only Develop and Hang Nights. We've done a bunch already. They're a ton of fun. We develop some film. We talk shop. We just hang out. It's it's a good time. And like we said before, Patreon is the best way to support the show. If that sounds like something you're interested in, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Thanks, guys. 
All right, guys, this is the part of the show where you take a question from one of our listeners. This week's question comes from Mono Distortion, aka Nick Marshall on Instagram. And they want to know, what did you learn from the NYC trip that you would do different for LA? Well, I guess the, the first thing that I learned was that way more people are interested in giant instant portraits than they are interested in obscure camera parts for alternative processes. And so that was <laughs> a very encouraging thing to learn. You know, we sold out yeah. just about everything. Um, wow. And so it was an encouraging thing that I learned that made me want to do it in LA, which I didn't necessarily think I would be able to do. The other thing that I learned was like, just how much it takes to run a camera all day uh, in terms of exact numbers on paper and chemistry, but also like how many assistants you need full time mm -hmm. in a day mm -hmm. to load paper and dry holders and shake chemistry and focus cameras and all of that. And then also how much time it takes to take a good picture. So we were churning pictures over in like 20 minutes and people had the wow. op opportunity to double up or maybe it was 30 minutes, but you know, we, there were times when we got behind and I think we pulled a lot of beautiful pictures out of the soup, but also there were some that I wish that I could have redone that just, you know, I thought I could do mm. better. Um, yeah but didn't have the time, right? And so right. shooting a lot of people fast is a great way to get a couple great photos, but you also are going to get a couple stinkers. Um, right. Yeah. And yeah. so actually when we sold out the first time and it turned out that I had an extra week and Kyle sold an extra weekend, I said, look, let's do it at the full cost of what it would take and give me two hours with an assistant to right. to right. take a picture. And that wound up being like a very expensive portrait session. And what I learned is like nobody, nobody was let down uh, in their very expensive portrait session, but also I didn't get to, you know, I shot four people all day, right? I didn't get to shoot yeah. uh, 30 people. And, and so you don't necessarily uh, get like the best, picture from that day because you're shooting so little, although everything is good, right? You, you have no chance that like if somebody's head is in the wrong way, like you have the time in two hours to redo it. Um, and so like figuring out what the amount of time uh, that, that I feel comfortable, I don't have to let anybody down, but also sort of get to maximize the amount of time that I'm shooting and how many uh, people I see, which increases my chances of seeing people who, you know, show up <laughs> with, with uh, like a King's collar that they made all, all night yeah. long type of thing is uh, better. So um, I learned a little bit about uh, timing and the cost of doing things and uh, just sort of how to run a traveling photo circus of, sorts and so like instead of just doing portraits and workshops which were actually the workshops went really well i think the only thing i'm going to do differently is make them a little bit more expensive and make them only eight people um that way everybody gets a lot of time on the camera yeah yeah but you know the portraits i'll do in la if i get to go will be i said 45 minute sessions basically so i could take an hour you know i booked them every hour i could take an hour if i needed but also have you know 15 minutes to clean and load and you know ready right. myself for the next one and then um just sort of to get a lot of people through the studio which was super duper fun like you you got to meet a lot of people who were like really passionate about it i thought yeah. i'd do like uh open studio days so you know basically those 
days, people will pay for a little bit of paper and chemistry, but like come hang out. They don't necessarily have their portrait taken. Maybe like we all work on a portrait together. Maybe I'll have mm. a guest photographer. Like maybe I can convince you guys to come on down and use the camera for a little bit. Yeah. During Dude, one. Yes. But um, yeah, I figured, Time and you know, place, I will be great. there. <laughs> great. <laughs> you can sleep on my sofa, yeah. Timothy. Yes. You already know. Um, you already did it. I, I'm coming. <laughs> I have to. That's like a, a dream of mine to shoot something yeah. like that. Okay, done. Let's let's pick a uh, a open studio day, and then yes. that'll be like your day. But the the thing is, you don't get to work in uninterrupted. You have to meet like twenty to forty people who come by it. and want to be shot I'm or. I mean, yeah. since this COVID crap, I would love to meet twenty people and see. I know people. it's yeah. so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Dude. Yeah, I think those are, you know, what's most interesting to me is like, you know, so I shot for actually only eight days over the course of an entire month. And I have like, I, I don't know, I, I, I spent seven, six and a half weeks outside of my house. And I came back with like three pictures that I shot for me. And so like, uh, a lot of it was just like carving out some time where I can still interact with people, but still also shoot what I want. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a big thing I will do differently if I ever get to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Go. Well, we'll definitely push out this Kickstarter. Like, yeah. all, I mean, I posted about thank it yesterday. You, you, we'll make you, sure to, to keep it alive. Mm -hmm. um, just, it's incredible. It is. It's amazing. It is. Oh. And yeah, I think the best part is like running it like a photo booth almost. Like, you know, that's such a great idea. Get, I mean, solid yeah, like, idea. Yeah. I was already thinking like, okay, when we get my husband to come, we'll do a little portrait and like we're gonna hang it somewhere in our house. Right. Like that's gonna uh. be crazy. <laughs> like uh, so awesome. Well, great answer. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you're it seems like you're, you know, the more you do it, the more you're gonna like zone in on this, which I think is gonna Try be it. beneficial and cool. Next questions. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in these. This is I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you had to pick one camera, you're stranded on a desert island. It's the one you're gonna use the, for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Man, I, I was uh, I've been thinking about this question for a very long time. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I'm gonna go with this unnamed camera that I showed you guys because it shoots yeah. in stacks and medium format. Uh, has some real nice lenses. I can handhold it. It's super durable. It can deal with sand, although maybe the lenses can't deal with sand so well. But um, yeah, yeah. Un unnamed Ethan camera number yeah. 12 or so. <laughs> Com coming soon, right? Yeah, we to hope? an internet coming near soon? you. Yeah, it's, great. it'll be out within a month or awesome. two. Awesome. Such a good camera. Um, that's a great answer. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> part part two, are, is there anything that you're – that? Your, is your white whale right now you got your eye on something you want and you're looking at these prices like dear god no so i mean i bought and <laughs> sold cameras during the peak bottoming out of the industry so like you know i have a mimia 72 yeah. and yeah. a hasselblad like i i got i got cameras for the rest of my life but you know like what the stuff that i want is like stuff that you, you can't just buy <laughs> like, right like uh yeah, I think what I want is to be able to build an all mechanical uh, range finder six by seven with like a timeable shutter. Like it's it's almost like the the camera that I want is is sort of the uh, like oh, finishing man, the mechanical that. puzzle and being <laughs> able to give it to the world in in a little bit. Right, like I. I have the Mamiya 7, but I would like to give everybody else a cameradactyl version of, of said right. camera. Yeah, it's crazy because right. it's the first time anyone's ever yeah. been like, my desert it's island my is my whale. camera. I have, I have yeah. some sketches from earlier today, but this will I, take years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but I also I love that because you know as as things get more expensive. Oh, there it is. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's sketches, just like, guys. But part <laughs> sketches from today, doodles of that camera, which I doodle every couple of years and yeah. go nowhere with. <laughs> Plus, like think about getting getting these cameras in people's hands who normally wouldn't be able to shoot with them. I think that's the the most amazing part of it. I'm looking at six by seven now, and I'm like, yeah. I, I don't need anything else. But now that's the only format I don't have, and like. What if I just like, so mm-hmm. like, you know, trying it with something that's, you know, you know, not a million dollars and like you, you've you graciously given the community, I'd much rather do that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Great answers. Ethan, this has been, I mean, we, you could tell how stoked we are for, what, for everything that you're doing. So um, just want to <laughs> say thank you again, because you're doing God's work for the community. And, and uh, I hope to, to meet you in person in L.A. very soon. Oh, thank you very much. It is my pleasure to be here. Yeah. Where can everybody check out the Kickstarter, check out Camerodactyl, any other any other places that they can uh, check you out? Please let us know. Yeah. So the main place to find me is probably Instagram. I'm at Camerodactyl. That's C-A-M-E-R-A-D-A-C-T-Y-L. Um, I'm also, you know, Camerodactyl.com is, is my internet store. And I think there's a banner on the store and the link in my bio in Instagram goes right to the Kickstarter. I think it's, uh, you know, Camerodactyl 20 by 24. If you punch that into Kickstarter, that's uh, bookings for portraits and workshops and open studios in February in Los Angeles. Amazing. Timothy, where are you? Guys, head over to Instagram and Twitter. It's at Timothy Makeups. I'm also on YouTube. Easiest way to find those, go to the search bar and type in Timothy Makeups. You'll find a bunch of my stuff there. Just to throw this out there, I only made one video this year. It was the Lomograph Lock one, right? Yeah, yeah. In the graveyard. No, that was, <laughs> was last. So that was last year. That was oh, last I found it year. This year. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long year. It has been a long year. But yeah. Anyway, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. Chris, where are you? So I am Crispy Photo on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram. We have a Facebook page and a group you can join, among, among all the other things. And that's, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Ethan, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay. This has been awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. First off, Chris and I would like to thank Ethan for coming on the show. Man, what a great time. It was just so exciting getting to hear all about your projects you have going on, past, present, and future. It's just an exciting time to be in film photography, and it was great getting to hear your story. Thanks for taking the time out and and hanging out with us. And thanks for everything you do for the community. Amazing. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for even a buck. You can get the show two days early. We're also doing our Patreon only develop and hang nights. Bunch of other stuff over there. If it sounds like something you're interested in, again, head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. Patreon is the best way to help support the show. For all the Patreons already, we love you guys. We don't know what we would do without you. All right, until next week, we'll see you soon with an all-new episode, guys. Take care. Later.